Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Antoine Martel. Thanks for being on the show, Antoine. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Whitney. I'm excited to have Antoine on the show. He has a turnkey company that sells 100 homes a year in a few markets in the Midwest, and he bought a 20-unit apartment building last year. He's now looking to syndicate larger buildings. And one big reason why I'm excited to have him on the show is, guess what? He is 23 years old, and he is crushing it in real estate, crushing it. He's been very successful and also very successful raising capital. And so I want him to help us just to eliminate all these limiting beliefs of age and the lack of experience and all those things. And Antoine, you know, thanks again for being on the show and give the listeners a little more about who you are and what your focus is at the moment. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for the introduction. It's pretty much what I do. So I started really in the business and the residential side of things, started the company while I was in college. I wanted to grow a rental property portfolio for my family. Started doing that for the first year. And then we started selling properties out of our portfolio to friends and family who were looking to get started in real estate and, you know, wanted to buy properties in the Midwest and, you know, only had 15 or $20,000 to get into real estate and didn't know how. So started selling properties out of our portfolio, giving them financing, property management, the whole nine yards. And so that's really how the turnkey company started. Last year, we did 60 projects. And then this year, we're on track to do over 100 projects. So that's really what my experience has been with real estate. And really, last year, we started to see personally that, you know, multifamily was also a great option to, you know, another facet of real estate, but also another one that we thought we could handle and one that we can understand. So we started looking for apartment buildings last year. And then personally, as a family, we bought a 20-unit apartment building in Memphis, Tennessee in, in December. And where are you located? I'm in Los Angeles. And then my rest of my family's in San Francisco Bay Area. And so you, the turnkey properties all over the country, right? Or are there some specific places? Specific markets that we're in, just that we found are the best markets for cash flow and also the legal side of things and evictions and tenant and landlord friendly states. So those places that we're investing in right now are Memphis, Cleveland, Birmingham, and St. Louis. Nice. And then the 20 unit you found in Memphis, you said as well, right? In Memphis. Yeah. Because we knew the market, we knew the neighborhoods, we have boots on the ground, contractors ready to go. And people ask me too, like, oh, where are you looking for multifamily? The same markets that I already have my boots on the ground. It just as soon as I get a deal coming through, I know where the deal is. I can have my team go through. Property management can tell me what they can rent the units out for. So I have the leverage. Did you start this while you're in college and you've grown it very fast, but you're also doing it out of state. You know, it's another one of those limiting beliefs, right? <laughs> you know, we got to do some yeah. local stuff, but, you know, get really good at this before we go to another market, especially that far away. It's not like you're within driving distance. No, not even close. And that was one of the things too, when I first you know, learned about real estate and flipping houses and all that kind of stuff, everybody wants to buy the house next door, right? But the reality is we only had $40,000, $50,000 in the bank. How the hell are we going to buy the next door? We can't unless we go raise money and put all of our eggs in one basket and hope that that project is success, right? And we have no real estate experience. For me, it made sense to buy a property all cash out of state, renovate it, and then do a cash out refinance and if everything loses or crumbles to the ground, then I'm just out 40 or 50 grand. I'm going to make the money back eventually. But buying a house 
here in LA and making a 4% return was not interesting to me. And if that project goes south, then my parents' house is on the line. Everybody, you know, you're signing your life away on that deal, right? So for me, it kind of made sense. And I also talked to a ton of people who were already doing it, which got me way more comfortable with investing out of state. I learned how they were doing it, how they were setting up the teams. And then once you really go out there and find people on the ground, like property management companies who have been doing it for 30 years, it really helps to calm those nerves and, and make that first investment. So how did you find these people that were already doing it? How did you gain your confidence to be able to go and scale this fast and do this many deals that fast? First of all, it was just finding the markets, right? So I started in Memphis, Tennessee. The numbers just make sense for residential. There was a couple of neighborhoods that you know made even more sense for cash flow and close to jobs, like right next to FedEx headquarters and stuff like that. So good blue collar workforce and the jobs were there through like a Fortune 500 company, which is good too. So first finding the market, then finding those teams on the ground. I knew that I was going to need a long-term partner. And what I mean by that is like a property management company who's going to take care of those properties and really care for those properties from the time I buy it to 30 years down the line when the mortgage is paid off, right? So I wanted to find somebody on the ground who had a property management company. And that was like my first line of attack. So all I did was went on Google property management company, Memphis and called every single company that came up and you know, 70% of them are not going to answer the other 30%, you know, half of those people are not going to give you the right answers or they're too big and they don't have the time for you. And then the more medium sized property management companies are the ones that I started targeting. They manage anywhere from 200 to 800 doors and they were looking to grow their company and, you know, I shared with them what I was trying to do, even though I had never done anything in real estate before. It was, hey, I want to buy properties in Memphis. I want to renovate them. I want you to manage them. And then I want to do a cash out refinance and keep doing it over and over. So I kind of sold them on the dream. I want to end up buying one house a month and, you know, keep using you for property management, but you have to help me get the property from unlivable to livable so that you can make money. And it was kind of a no brainer for those smaller companies, right? Right. So what about even before this? Did you have a mentor or somebody that, like you said, I know you said you'd talk to some people that were already doing it. You know, who did you lean on when you like, or you're buying that first house or two, you know, that's so far away? Podcasts, bigger pockets, networking on bigger pockets. Really, I would just have coffee with anybody who wanted to talk about real estate in California and LA. And I would just take a bunch of people to coffee. There wasn't really any mentor that I had specifically for the turnkey side. It was really just me, my dad, and my brother batting ideas off of each other for uh, two years before we actually made that first investment. And then we're like, okay, it's either now or never. We need to get our money invested and get our money working. So then you're committed, you're getting started. And I wanted you to elaborate on how you started raising capital. With no experience, you haven't had 20 years experience in the business and done all these deals and all this you know, track record to show, right? It's what everybody says. I wasn't even 20. Yeah, there yeah. you go. You weren't even 20. <laughs> so how did you start raising capital? And what were those conversations like? What kind of response? Uh, I'd like for us to get into that. Yeah. So what made it easier for me to raise money was getting that first deal completed. So the first deal was funded by my father. My dad had 50 grand saved up, bought the house for 40,000, renovated it for 10,000. Then it was worth 60 grand after, let's say. So cash out refinance, pulled the money out. But then with that deal, I made a one-pager case study, before and after photos, before and after numbers, what we expected would actually happen, right? So a short little case study, three pages, I think, including the photos. Then I would go network with people in LA. I kept going to network with people through bigger pockets, take them to coffee, lunch, whatever the case may be, and learn about what they were doing or what they were trying to do. And then I would 
bring out the case study. Oh, well, I'm, I'm investing out of state. Here's a deal I just recently did. They don't need to know that it's deal number one, but here's a deal that I recently did out of state. I'm looking to do more. Here's a deal actually that I have you know, under contract, or here's another deal that's down the street that I'm looking to do as well. Do you want to partner up on it? And I'll pay you back your money when I do a refinance in three or six months or whatever the case is. And just after doing dozens and dozens of those, I started to build a list of people in LA who wanted to invest in real estate, but didn't have the time, but they had the cash in the bank account. And all I was looking for was forty to $50,000 investment. And just through networking and, and sharing what I was doing and what was working for me, people started to come on board, even if they were completely against out-of-state investing. It just took time and it was just a numbers game. But Antoine, you, know, you, you don't have a track record and you're so young <laughs> and you know, all these things, right? How did you battle some of those things that people throw at you. You know, I heard it so much, you know, myself, just like, wait a minute, we, you know, we can't start with a large apartment community. <laughs> you know, you got to start with single family. So talk through some of that. Yeah. And so almost every investor that I met with would ask, Hey, by the way, like at the end of the conversation, by the way, how old are you? And then I would say, Oh, I'm 19 or 20 years old. And I would tell them and I would, I'm 19 years old, I'm 20 years old. And people were just more amazed because of how much knowledge I had and how much homework I put in before sitting down at that table, right? So if you sit down at that networking event or at that coffee table or you know exchanging business cards or whatever the case may be, and you don't know what the hell you're talking about, you don't know how to answer their questions or to rebuttal what they're saying about against investing out of state, right? If you don't know all the pain points, then yeah, it doesn't matter if you're 20 years old or if you're 50 or 60 years old. If you don't know how to answer those questions and how to come back at their rebuttals or why they don't want to invest with you, then I think you're not going to have success either way. So I just put a lot of preparation into studying about real estate investing and out-of-state investing and my markets. And then it's really just comes down to practice. And trust me, I was networking almost every single day, whether it was just one coffee meeting or something like that. But you know, after you do a hundred of those meetings, you get to know why people do not want to invest and what their questions are. And you kind of are able to tweak over time what the best way to answer those questions. You make enough mistakes, right? That you get better. You improve and you improve and you figure out what's what works. And like you said, the common questions or the reasons why somebody may not want to invest. But if you hadn't had those first few conversations, yeah, you'd never would have got to that hundredth conversation, right? Where you're just confident in your ability to answer those questions now. And you have to go with the mindset of the first 20 network coffees you're going to have are going to be absolutely terrible. My whole thing too was like, I'm not going to sell anybody on like, oh, invest with me. Oh, invest with me. Oh, invest with me. All I did in those coffee meetings was tell people what I'm up to. So, hey, what have you been doing in real estate? You know, Whitney, blah, blah, blah. You tell me your whole story. Then you ask me what I've been doing. And I was sharing with them, oh, well, I actually just completed a project in Memphis and I bought the single family home, renovated it, rented it out, cash out refinance, and I've got all my money out. And then the questions just start pouring in and you're not selling them on anything, right? But you're just explaining them your whole process, how the deal went. And then you could even walk away from that coffee meeting and email them three days later. Hey, great meeting up with you. By the way, I have another deal I'm looking to, you know, to do right next door. Do you have any interest in working together? And that can be the start of building that investment relationship together, but going and just sharing that information freely without the sale or the pitch really got people even more interested because now we were friends and we were sharing information about investing instead of me being a salesman, right? 
That's so valuable. And I'm glad you brought that up. The more sales you are, you know, you're pushing them away, right? They can see right through that. But, you know, you talked about meeting with someone almost every day. And I really like that drive and just pushing, right? You know, like, who can I meet with today? Who can I tell my story to? Even if they don't invest, you're getting better. You're improving the way you're answering these questions and talking about what you're doing. So how did you meet enough people to be able to schedule these calls every day? You know, how did you find these people? Yep. So I with through a couple of banned bigger pockets accounts. So bigger pockets, you can go <laughs> I mean, I was just scaling the hell out of their messaging platform. So I would go and I would type in my zip code and I would type in people who are interested in flipping houses, for example, or rental properties. You can do this all through bigger pockets, the networking tab, and then you just search through there. Just get a pro account. It's 30 bucks, even if you just do it for a month. And then I would just message as many people as I possibly could. Hey. Steve, my name is Antoine Martel. I'm a real estate investor, but I invest out of state. Wanted to see if you wanted to get together for a coffee sometime. Would love to chat about real estate. So again, nothing salesy, just, hey, this is what I'm doing. Do you want to get together? And I would just, I think they have a messaging limit of like 10 every hour. So then I would just, every single hour, I would just go back, go back, go back, and just until you're kind of maxed out. Are you focusing on people just that are local to you at that time? Yeah, just local because it was very early on. So And my mentality too was like, okay, even if somebody wants to flip houses in LA, 80% of those people on bigger pockets have never invested in real estate and they just have this, you know, fantasy of flipping houses. But everybody does, right? Of flipping houses in LA. But many of them have probably never even invested in real estate before. So if I come to them with, hey, you can get in real estate for 50 grand and invest with me and make a 20% return, then people are like, oh, wow. Like, how did you do that? Right. So the questions just start pouring in and then you add that value to them, that knowledge. Now you're a resource for them. You're the out of state investing guy for them. So for me, it was anybody with a pulse who is interested in real estate is somebody that I was meeting up with. I wanted to ask you earlier, what's maybe a habit that you developed or one way that you educated yourself so quickly? I would say through listening to podcasts is probably the best and quickest way. Books are good, just took way too long and there was a lot of fluff in it. So listening to quick little 30 minute podcasts and you really get the key points. And then I would say going through a deal, right? So really putting in the time, I mean, it took me two years to do my first investment ever, right? So that's two years of knowledge that I had in my brain. And then I had the experience of just doing that one deal was really all the information I needed to go to those meetings and talk about it. And Awesome. And so you know, you have this growing business and this turnkey business, you're growing it really fast. So why multifamily now? We have always heard that multifamily is the way to go, you know, from all the big syndicators and stuff like that. So we we decided that, okay, let's take a look at this space. Let's see what the pros and cons are. Of course, like if you have the right property management company, the pro is going to be the scale, right? So instead of having, you know, one tenant under one roof, you have 20 tenants under one roof. So your operating expenses go down a tiny bit. And you're able to scale and you also can get better financing if the deal is big enough. So we just started researching and doing our homework on those things. And then I just started reaching out to brokers and I was like, okay, well, if I find a good multifamily project that can beat the returns of the residential side or at least match it, that's definitely something to pursue and to look more into. And then we thought too, you know, it's managing one project now under one roof at one property address instead of 20 projects in 20 different neighborhoods and 20 different addresses, right? So just the scaling up of both the renovation and the tenants and collecting rents just kind of made sense to us. So that's when I started last year reaching out to brokers, networking with brokers and trying to get some deals. So 
then just started analyzing deal after deal after deal after deal until I got really good at it. And nine months later, found a deal that finally worked and put it under contract. Nice. And do you have a tool that you created or what are you using to analyze these multifamily deals now? My dad is a numbers guy. So he created his own tool. Back when I was in college, for like a six month period, I was working for a commercial real estate developer here in LA. And he had some tool that I used. And then I had my dad kind of edit it and make it more for multifamily. But for the listeners, I mean, there's plenty of tools online that you can pay 50 bucks for a calculator and it'll be worth it. So what was it about this 20 unit that said, okay, you know, this is one we need to pursue. How did you find it? I built a list of brokers in all my markets. Then every two weeks for like nine months straight, I was emailing these people or calling them and, hey, my name's Anton Martel. I'm a real estate investor looking to buy apartment buildings in these neighborhoods for this price range, this amount of units, value add, right? Every two weeks, I would email them and just keep showing them my criteria. Hey, if you have anything that comes up, let me know. I'd love to buy it. Nine months later, I email somebody on a Thursday and they say, oh yeah, I just got a deal like this today. It fits perfectly for the criteria, you know, your criteria. And what was your criteria? Over 20 units, less than $3 million, 7, 8% cap rate, B or C class neighborhood value add. Okay. So they call you back, say, we just found a property that fits your criteria. Go ahead. And then Friday morning, they send me an email. It's like three sentences. It says, (laughs) and like five photos of the exterior. And it was like, here's a property. It's 20 units, all one bedroom, one bath units, renting out for $550 per month on average. Property will be sold with the new roof. And here's the operating expenses, whatever it was. You need to make an offer before they'll give you any financials. I was like, well, I guess I have to submit an LOI. So I just submitted my LOI and I said, contract doesn't begin until I receive all the financials and due diligence doesn't begin until I get all these financials and you guys better have them or else I'm not putting any earnest money. I'm just going to walk away. So I did that and turns out that they were keeping records and they did have financials. So put it under contract. Two weeks later, we got all the financials and sent that to the lender and moved forward. So you had no financials, but you know, went ahead and put in an LOI anyway. Even that would have turned away most people. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, I guess I learned that from the residential space too. It's like, as long as you set up your contract in the right way, even if I have absolutely nothing and I just know the unit count and the price they're looking for, like $50,000 per unit and the market rent was seven fifty. there's a lot of variables that you're working with, but just the unit price compared to the rent in that neighborhood just made sense to me. And with the residential space too, I'm placing like three offers every single day. You kind of get in the habit and placing offers is not scary anymore. So for me, placing the offer, even if I did get it under contract and then I realized I was way too, way over what I should be buying it at, then I knew I had 30 days to come up with something to back out. I knew I could get my earnest money. I knew that you know if they send me the financials, I don't even need to send the earnest money. I can just wait to see the financials, do it one hour, run the numbers and see what it looks like. And then I can back out and say, hey, you're way off from what you told me. With time, you just get comfortable placing those offers. And the more offers you place, the better chance you have of getting a deal. This is awesome stuff. I really like your drive. And just even you talking about, you know, you didn't just find a couple of brokers, you know, you made a list of brokers in, in all these markets, and then you're contacting them every two weeks. Follow up is the key. Even with the, the turnkey space, I mean, we have our leads, our warm leads on a seven-day loop. So every week, we're following up with those leads. And even though they may have not replied to the last five emails, we continue emailing them. Nice, nice. Until and, they say yes or no. Yeah. Know? Wow. And then the seller gives you no financials, expects you to make an offer, <laughs> and, and you follow through, and it turns out you get the deal. 
That's awesome. Yeah. And so, so all those buyers that passed on a deal actually passed on a, you know, eight cap in Memphis, Tennessee in an up and coming neighbor in a B class neighborhood. And somebody that's not next door <laughs> bought it, <laughs> you know, many States away. Yep. Congratulations. And so what's been the most difficult thing, or maybe something that surprised you about this multifamily deal you didn't expect? Yeah. So when we bought the property, we were expecting to increase the rents from 550 to 725. Turns out that we spent a little bit more on the renovation, put stainless steel, we put granite countertops, the whole nine yards, the place looks, I would move in there. And we put it on the market and we were looking at the comps in the area after we had taken the professional photos and it looked really damn good. So we put it up and we put it up for, instead of 725, we put it up for 850. First weekend, we had both of the units that we renovated rented out on one year leases. So in the end of the day, we brought the rents from 550 to 850, a 60% increase in the rents. So that was one of the good surprises. One of the bad surprises that we had was we found it very hard to find any, like the special contractors are the ones that I don't use a lot in the residential side. So my GC is terrific. He did the whole exterior renovation, did all the units, et cetera. But finding somebody to build a staircase was like the hardest thing in the world because the staircase they had going up in the second story was completely falling apart and falling down. So it's May now, and we're still trying to replace the staircase and all the handrails and all that kind of stuff. So it's way more challenging than I thought to find those special contractors to do the special jobs on the property. Interesting. Did you raise capital for this 20-unit deal? No. So this was actually done with our, our own capital, the capital from the turnkey business. And the reason why I did it that way was the same mentality as starting the turnkey company. So do the first deal myself, create a case study, and then push the case study out to people for free. People can look at it. But then with the information and value that I'm adding to other people, then people are going to trust me and know my business model and know that I just had a successful deal so that when I go and ask for the syndication next time that I'm going to already have rapport with all of these people. So that's kind of what the philosophy was. And now I'm looking at doing some bigger buildings and looking to syndicate those with some of the investors that have the case study. Nice. Yeah. You're going to have a great case study on that apartment building. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So what's after this? What are you looking for next? Are you going to keep the single family turnkey going while also trying to pursue, you know, larger apartment buildings? Are you going to stay 20 units or around 20 units? What's your plan? Yeah. So my goal this year was to do a hundred single family homes for the turnkey company and then do a hundred units of apartment building in syndication or doing it ourselves. So we've been looking all year for multifamily, as you know, very hard to find any good deals right now. So we're still looking, you know, five years out, I would like to keep the turnkey company. I think that it's a great way for people to get started and get their feet wet in real estate investing for 20,000 bucks or less and to have control and to kind of learn how real estate investing works. And then, you know, they don't have to invest in turnkey forever, but they can eventually scale up and it could be their foot in the door to the real estate investing world. And then, you know, personally, I'm also looking to get into bigger apartment buildings. So I'd like to scale up in the next five years to do, you know, 500 units or 300 unit apartment buildings and syndicate them and pool investors together to do that as well. What's been the most important thing to grow your business as fast as you have? Like what's something that you've had to implement or what's something maybe that you're even implementing right now to go from the 60 to the 100? That's a great question. And it was spending the money on upgrading your systems and creating systems for things like follow-up, creating systems for things like sending out contracts and then also hiring the right people and, and delegating really and not being scared of delegating or things being done incorrectly. Things are going to get done incorrectly and that's fine. But you know, those people that you hire or bring on are going to eventually learn. So 
we hired at the beginning of the year a sales manager for Martel Turnkey. Now she's selling all the properties, all the clients and leads get passed off to her. So she's managing that. I hired my brother full time and he's managing all the acquisition side for the business. So now I kind of have all these other people who are now working to make Martel Turnkey kind of run on its own. And it takes money and it's very scary to hire that first or second or third employee to spend that much money every single month. But I think that that's really helped us scale and that's going to help us continue to scale into the future and to do 500 homes a year with Martel Turnkey. It's going to take a team to do so. No doubt. That's awesome. I mean, you got to scale your systems and your internal, no doubt. Uh, So Antoine, what's the one thing that's contributed to your success? I would say my parents' belief in me, taking the risk on me as a 21, 22-year-old college graduate and really letting me use their money and just trusting Emily and believing the whole process that I had come up with of doing that burst strategy out of state and really backing me along the way. And right out of college, they covered my rental expense for a couple of months. And I told them, I'm going to try to figure this out. If I don't, I'll move home, but I need money to feed myself for six months, but give me a six month time frame for me to figure it out. And they've always backed me since I was you know, a 10 year old starting companies, but their backing of me since I was a little kid has probably been the biggest contributing factor. If I didn't have that and didn't have somebody who would believe in me, I'd probably be, you know, have a job right now. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. And that's a testimony to, you know, other parents and me as well, you know, it's little ones and that's awesome. And so Antoine, how do you like to give back? Giving back is something that I'm trying to implement this year. We haven't done so much of it the last couple of years. I do like to volunteer and sometimes I'll go to the Los Angeles, like we just had that big fire in Los Angeles. So there's a organization that I go with and we replant trees and clean up all the stuff from the fire, et cetera. Nice. And I'm thrilled to have you on the show. You've provided lots of great content, just very valuable And I appreciate the value you've added to me and to the listeners, but tell them how they can get in touch with you. Sure. So if you want to get in touch with me, I'm on Instagram a lot. So Instagram is Martel Antoine. You can also head over to my website, all my contact info, my email is there. You can even schedule a phone call with me on my website. The website is martelturnkey.com. Awesome. Antoine, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you and your time. And I hope the listeners will also go to LifeBridge Capital and connect with me. Go to the Facebook group, the Real Estate Syndication Show, so we can all learn from experts like Antoine and grow our businesses together. Hope you're sharing the show and learning every day, and we will talk to each of you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.